the weekend I have to thank you for having me here and thank you for allowing the service to be a little bit different you all need an airport uh, it's a little far to get to where we need to go because my church is on Sunday night at five o'clock so I have to be back to do that so one prayer request of you make sure that uh, when you hear my name or see my face in your, in your mind pray for me and pray for our ministry send us a, a blessing and prophesy over us we'll take all your prayers and support and when you're in Orlando visiting Mickey Mouse. Come on Sunday and visit me on that day, all right? So you can see Mickey and Roberts. How's that? And uh, it's good because everybody goes down to Disney World and do that and come and enjoy it and then come over and have a good time with the Lord with us. Amen. Open your Bibles if you do have them or turn your phones on to, uh, we're going to start in Psalms 35 and we're going to do a miracle like Pastor said and preach not the everlasting gospel but a short power pack message. Make sure you go by the book table and pick up some of our books that are back there. And I forgot to do this while I was mentioning, we have a DVD series of God's Journals from the first book where you'll get to hear Dowie speak, see film footage of Mother Edder, Evan Roberts' voice recordings, uh, you'll get to see Wigglesworth, McPherson, Kuhlman, Branham, Coe Allen, all those things are teach your life and have all their pictures and film footage so you'll get to see them yourself. So you can go by and do that. And then some of you have been asking about my heaven book, the story I had when I was a little boy and we saw heaven. So you can go by and get that. And then I'll mention this. How to sharpen your discernment so you don't marry the wrong person and do business with the Christian crook. Good morning, everybody. So why would you do that? Because I pastored in California for 20 years and I got tired of Christians doing businesses and then losing everything and then marrying the wrong human and torturing me in the counseling room for 20 years. So if we can get that fixed in the beginning, then we all can live happily ever after together for Jesus. Amen. In Psalms 35 and verse 27 is a beautiful verse that I want to tap into just briefly as we start our journey. It says, let them shout for joy. God's not quiet, just religion is. Uh, be glad and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Let them say all the time, the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. God does not get mad when you prosper. And I want to address this with you this morning. When you go to church and you're part of God's ministry, there's always going to be an offertory. There's always going to be a moment when people can take a portion of what they have and give it to God's earthly kingdom to support the work naturally, but also to activate the laws of prosperity. In our country, uh, there has been the abuse of this message. And people have kind of pulled back because the goodwill of the prosperity message has been hijacked by the egomaniacs and the selfishness of people who preach this part of the gospel for self-gain. And so we're going to have to separate that experience from the scriptures to operate in God's blessing plans for our life, our businesses, and our churches. Can you say amen? And so I know because I was raised Pentecostal and I was raised word of faith and I am a prosperity preacher. If I wasn't a prosperity preacher, then I must be a debt and poverty preacher. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to lay my hands on you and say, be broke in Jesus name. I don't want to have that kind of anointing. I want the other one where I can bless you and educate you where you thrive and you go forward. And we're going to have to dust off all the bad emotions, all the bad experiences, and come back to the scriptures where the Bible says God has pleasure in the prosperity of his people. Tell your neighbor, God wants you to prosper. Tell your other neighbor, he really does. 
Amen. Now we're right here in Psalms, so go to Proverbs real fast, and I'm going to read a prophetic revival verse of the last days from Proverbs, Proverbs 13 and 22. It says, And you've heard the door, a good man leaves an inheritance to his grandchildren. And the wealth of all the crazy whoremongers is laid up for all the believers of Jesus. That's the Lord in translation, all right? But it actually says, the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Now, you cannot have this prophetic fulfillment if you're anti-God's money message. Good morning, everybody. I know for you that Sunday morning and you're just now hearing me. Good morning. I'm the guest speaker. Leave it in 30 minutes. All right, so if you don't like me, you can have our now South African brother. He'll come in and give you a nice accent. And you can praise the Lord, and, and then I'll haunt you at lunchtime because the word of the Lord echoes and never returns void. Amen? So there is a prophetic verse here. It is a prophecy about the funding of God's end-time revival and how God will take care of you and I. When the world is vibrating, when the economies are going everywhere, we live in a more sure kingdom. But we have to have a foundation by which we know it's biblical and not just some guy that wanted your money's idea of a new Christian gimmick to get another $100 out of you. That is not what this message is. The message is God knew that you needed money. He knows that you need health. He knows that you need peace. He knows that you need a family. So he is your provider of all these things. And it's amazing. We trust him for salvation, but we don't trust him with our money. Amen. Or you used to until some guy gave you a bad taste in your mouth about it. Good morning, everybody. And you have to come back and make the Bible your point of reference, not your experiences good or bad the wealth of the sinner or the unrighteous world has been gathered by them for a transfer that happened once in biblical history when Moses led the Israelis out of Egypt they were slaves the day before and they left out of Egypt with a health system and an economy on the next morning everyone out of Egypt not one feeble among them God got them all healthy before they left Egypt so Israel was born with a health plan everybody was strong and then they were born with an economy in one afternoon they were slaves yesterday and they walked out of Egypt with the silver and the gold and the nice clothes God gave them an economy in less than 24 hours if he can do that for them the wealth of the sinner was laid up for the righteous and when the righteous walk into God's plan he gave them a health plan and an economy in 24 hours and he gave them geographical land he gave them everything you need to be a for, to be a wonderful nation and when you serve God he'll give you everything you need to be a great prosperous Christian as a light to the world can you say amen one way that we can be a witness for Jesus is pay someone's house note for a month and say, that's from the Lord. Go to your neighbor who cusses and fusses and say, Jesus wants me to pay your, your mortgage this month. Uh, they'll listen to you next week. <laughs> Sometimes we don't see prosperity as a witnessing tool in our life to be able to go in and do things like that that's in your heart, but you've got to have the money to do it. I know I heard a story about Bill Johnson was in a restaurant out in Reading. You ever been to Reading? It's a tad bigger than Moravian Falls. And, um, and you have to work harder to get there than to get here. At least it's only an hour or so to get here. And there it's eternal. It goes on and on and on and on and on. But he was in there and he felt like there was a pay for everybody's food in the restaurant. 
So he paid for every meal of the person in that restaurant. Welcome to what prosperity is all about. The ability to show the kindness and the goodness of God in a material way too. Can you say amen? Now, let's go to Exodus for a moment real fast. And I want to talk about the greatest offering recorded in the Bible. Exodus 35. Everybody still with me? I am preaching about money. If you've not figured that out yet. So I've touched everything, that all the sacred cows possible this weekend, okay? I've slapped them. I've barbecued them. I've filleted them. There's nothing left. But so let's hit the money thing and just put the ribbon on top, okay? You all still like me? I wore a suit today. All right. In Exodus 35, we have a, a great story of the greatest offering uh, uh, taken up in, in the Bible. It says here that the Lord told Moses to build the great church, the great tabernacle. And he says in verse 5, Moses, verse 4, Moses spake unto the congregation, the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing that the Lord has commanded. God has commanded in all the Christian gatherings an offertorial moment. Where you can bring a portion of your wealth, your first fruits, and honor him with it. So accept it. So I don't like offerings. Well, then we should do two. You do them until you get to the place where you find the joy. You see, it gets quiet now. He said, and notice he commanded a thing. He didn't suggest it. He commanded it. Take ye from among uh, you an offering unto the Lord. But whosoever is of a willing heart. Here is the dynamics of three things that make an offering work. Three things that make it acceptable before God. He said, receive an offering from the willing hearted. If you can't give an offering from a willing heart, then keep your money. That's hard for a preacher to say and hard for you to hear a preacher say because they hardly ever say that. If you can't give your offering today or next week from a joyful willing heart, then keep your money. Because it's not going to work for you. Well, I'm going to do this. Well, keep your money then until you can find a win heart. If you're going to have an offering that's acceptable before God, everybody that gives must be willing. So anytime that you give to the church here or to a guest or to a missions or whatever, you've got to do it from a willing heart. Not because we manipulated you. Not because we made you feel guilty. Or because we promised you something the Bible did not promise. And that's why some of you have grown sick in your spirit. Because you gave money to things where the promise something was going to happen. And it did not happen. You cannot buy those things. You must worship God with your money. And not try to negotiate a carrot factor. Good preaching, Brother Roberts. Amen. So you got to be willing when you want to give your offering. So when you give today, you that are members of this church or you that are visiting the conference, when whatever you give, give willingly or keep your money. Thank you for the one amen from the guy over here on the, the right side. Uh, verse 10, number 2. It says, everybody that is wise-hearted among you shall come and make all of the Lord has commanded. So the second thing that makes a wonderful offering that's acceptable before God is being wise-hearted. Now, we don't quite use that terminology in our world today, but what does that mean? Understand what you're doing. Revelational understanding from the scriptures that what a person gives to God, what does it do? When you give something to God's earthly kingdom, it works in the spirit, it works in the natural, it works in, the, in both worlds at the same time. Worshiping God with your money as an offering is an act that God receives. In the New Testament, Jesus was over against uh, the wall watching people put money in the treasury, the Bible says. In other words, he was watching the offering. And he saw the big fat cats that had a lot of money come and give God a tip. 
And here came a woman that gave her a small amount, but to her, it was everything. And Jesus said, she gave more than all the other dudes that gave that day. So that means to me and to you this, that Jesus understands what your amount means to you. So there is no amount that is disrespected by God. It may differ between you and I, but God knows what your 200 or your 20 or your two cents mean in your life and receives it as a part of your giving of your offering. Isn't that beautiful? I may never know what your hundred dollars means, but Jesus knows how hard you work for that, what it means to you and your money and your status at that time. When you give whatever you give, he knows what that means to you, and he processes that in receiving from your life. Isn't that wonderful? You may never know what my offering means to me that day, but Jesus does, and that's who I'm actually really giving it to, even though it has a natural process to it. Amen. You have to know that you create uh, the law of abundance in your life by tithing and giving. So everybody that's going to give an offering to the Lord has to have a revelation of what it means and what it is. And not just do the tradition, well, here's my offering, here's i got to do this. Don't. Do it with a revelation. Be wise-hearted in your giving. Then it says, if you go down to verse 21, and everyone that came whose heart was stirred up, and everyone whose spirit was made willing. So there was an excitement there had a stirred upness about them. So are you excited and, and joyful uh, about your offering? So the three elements that make an offering acceptable before God is that you, number one, that you are a person that is willing to do it. You don't do it because you're manipulated or because you are uh, pushed under it in some obligational manner, you do because I want to do this. And if you ever feel pressure, don't obey the pressure. Obey the willingness of your own heart. And then when you do start to give, then remember all the biblical promises to the tither and the giver that God said what he would do for them that come and bring their offerings to the Lord. Now, I can't prosper you. I can't make what you give come back to you as a harvest, but God said he would. Well, I don't give to get. Well, that's okay, but that's not okay. It's okay, but not. How do you like that for a comment so early in the morning? What do you mean? I understand some people's heart. I'm not giving to get. I understand you're giving because you love God and you're giving. But the Bible does say, what a person sows, they shall reap. So we have a biblical right to expect the biblical promise to happen. So I may not be motivated to be a greedy person to try to do it that way. But God promised us that if we sow, we shall reap. So I'm expecting what God promised to come to pass in my life. And for me, I think you should too. Even if you have the attitude, I don't give to get, I respect that. But he did say, when you sow and when you do these things, a harvest will come. And if something's coming from heaven, I want it. Yeah. Now, if you don't want your harvest, I'll take yours too. And I'll go send some more missionaries and build some more churches and have some more fun with the Lord that way. But I think you should expect what God promised to come to you, your family, your business, your church, and your ministry. Can you say amen? Are you all happy? About five of you are happy. All right. Uh, it says, and those that are stirred up and excited about it. Get excited about what you're doing. A true, honest thrill in your heart. If you say, well, I don't have that. Well, then you need to get back in the Word and let the Word heal you. 
Let the word on these issues begin to strengthen you and renew your mind so there can be a thrill and an excitement. I stirred up about it. That is the three things that created the greatest offering in biblical history. If you go to Exodus 36, and it says in verse 6, it said, And Moses gave commandment and caused it to be claimed throughout all the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman make any more work for the offering of the sanctuary, so the people restrained from bringing. I want that experience once in my lifetime, where I have to tell the church, Don't give no more money. We got enough. I would love that experience. And this is, was the outstanding offering of the children of Israel to build the church of the Lord at that time, to use that terminology, to where they brought more than enough and they brought so much that the pastor, Moses, had to say, stop it. We've got enough. So the people were restrained from bringing. Now that is a supernatural offering that we're going to see in the end times. I want to have an experience right here, Pastor David. I had this thing happen at the Moravian Falls Church where I had to stop them from bringing stuff. We had so much money, I got scared there was too much here. That would be a wonderful experience, wouldn't it? But it's in the Bible, so it's not something that I just dreamed up or something I'm using to manipulate you. I wanted to, in my last moment with you here this morning, to dust this off because we have an end time scripture. That the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just and the transfer is going to happen. It's a part of the end time happening. But we're going to have to be wise in the marketplace and be fluent in the flow of our financial prosperity walk with the scriptures. And in our country, there are people who have been abused, who have been uh, misused their goodwill, and they've kind of walked back from it. And they've walked away because of things that have happened. And I want to say to you, there are things that you saw that was not right and you were correct. It was wrong in how they did it. But it does not take away from the scriptures and the principles in the Bible that we must keep walking. And we want the blessing of the Lord to continue in our life, at least financially. Amen. You say, well, I don't like prosperity. And it shows. <laughs> Or Roberts used to say, until you're financially healed, you're not whole. You can have a peace of mind, a body that is healthy, but financially be in trouble and your life is not healed. God wants you to have a rich life. Now the word rich makes people nervous because we define it differently. And the biblical definition of rich is to be fully supplied. That's a different amount for every person. But God wants you to have a full supply for your life. A full supply means you pay your bills on time. A full supply means your family is fed well and dressed properly and have the appropriate home for you to live in and to raise your children in. It means you have a car that runs by gasoline and not by faith. Amen. It means you educate your children in the skills that they want to use as a career in life at the best place for their learning. You have enough money to go on a holiday that when your kids get there, they don't start crying an hour later and want to go home because it's not any fun because you went to the cheapest, weirdest place that you could afford. God wants you to go on a holiday that nobody wants to leave when it's time to go home. If more pastors went on holidays, they wouldn't have had so many crazy things in their life. 
Side note, the number of problem that causes the problems in people's lives, the door by which most of them come through is the door of exhaustion. Moral failure, wrong doctrine, wrong decisions, arguments, all comes through the door of exhaustion. And so the devil said in Daniel 7.25, the devil comes to wear out the saints. And God does not want you to be wore out because of financial pressures. I got six minutes. It's a miracle. I almost said amen, but I got a verse. People always ask, was the money message something we just dreamed up 100 or 200 years ago? Or was it dreamed up by a TV preacher that wanted to pay his bills? That's how people think. I, I, I know that's not true for all of them, but, and I believe in TV ministry, but that's the attitude that's out there. And so they go, that, what, what was it preached in the beginning? Was the prosperity message, as we know, was it preached in the early church? In Philippians uh, 4 gives us an answer to that. In 15, Paul says to the Philippians, now you Philippians also know in the beginning of the gospel, take your pen there and underline, it tells you the time, here's your clock. In the beginning of the gospel, not at the ending or the middle, in the beginning of the gospel, when it all started, I departed from Macedonia, but none of those churches that I helped birth and was the apostle over was communicating with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. So in the beginning, only one church grew concerned about the principles of giving and receiving. Not just giving, not just receiving, but giving and receiving. Hallelujah. And he goes, for when I was in Thessalonica, verse 16, you sent to me twice to my necessity or to what I was doing. He said, not because I wanted the money or the gift. But watch this, I desire that fruit may abound to your account. So the teaching of sowing and reaping and giving and receiving was taught from the beginning of the gospel. So let me say it like this. Your salvation is not determined by your giving. Your healing does not come by your giving. Your salvation is guaranteed by your faith in the finished work of Christ. And if you believe that he died, buried, and rose again, and accept him, you are saved, and you have eternal life, and heaven is your home in your afterlife. Period. So what about money? Money has nothing to do with that. God's love to heal you has nothing to do with your money. It's his love for you. So you can have all of that. And you can live your whole Christian life and never touch the financial side of God's kingdom and go to heaven. You can live off of your own talent and not have God as your partner if you want to. He can be your partner in everything but that. That's your choice. I've been to churches who don't want anything to do with what I'm preaching on. And I preach the generals and do other things. I still give and that's because I want to be concerned. He said, only one church in the beginning, you, was concerned or took recognition of the law of sowing and reaping, giving and receiving. Others came into it later according to the biblical record, but in the beginning, only one. So you have to decide as a family, as a person, if you want to have God involved in your money or not. Now, if you choose not to do that, 
that is fine. But don't you get mad when the folks next to you do and it starts working for them and then start persecuting them because you don't have and they do. Don't you do that. Because that's what some people do. I don't believe in it. And the folks that do, after a while, it starts working. And the folks who don't, then they, you're one of those funny people. You're a prosperity person. I don't like it. And it shows. And it shows what you do believe. So if you're a person here today that isn't like the tithing and the giving and the sowing and the reaping and the prosperity message and you don't want to do it, that is fine. We're still brothers and sisters. We'll still go to heaven. Your life with God is secure because your faith in Christ. But you that want Jesus to help you out in this life with your finances and you walk in this way and it starts working, don't you apologize for it to the little group that doesn't want it. And the group that doesn't want it, shut up and enjoy your own work. Good morning, everybody. i got two minutes. It's the beginning of the gospel. Last point, hopefully. If you practice the money message of the prosperity, then you're greedy. You conquer greed. God set up a safe cap that greed can never conquer a tither and a giver. Because in the way God set it up, you give first before you receive. And most greedy people tip God on certain days of the year. Easter, a wedding, and maybe Christmas. They'll make a tip to Jesus when they come to church that day or send a little extra with the kids as the wife takes them. But a tither that gives 10% and a giver of offerings has already conquered greed right up front because a greedy man will not tithe. A greedy spirit will not give. They might tip at certain little days to look okay and to be, you know, a false uh, presence among their friends. But you've already conquered greed by being a tither and a giver. Do you see that? God set it up to where greed is killed in your tithing behavior, in your giving behavior. And so you prosper without greed having a road to your heart. That's beautiful. Amen. Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be healthy even as your soul prospers. 15 seconds. The reason why some people don't prosper as they should because their understanding is still small. The more you understand something, the bigger it works for you. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Let me give it to you. The tr the tr you shall know the truth and to the depth you understand that truth, to that depth it will set you free. So if you only know the surface of giving, you'll receive the niceness but not the depth of it. So the more you understand healing, prosperity, angels, prophecy, the deeper you understand something, to the depth you understand it, that's the depth it'll set you free. That's why Or Roberts, when I ask him, I'm walking off the stage, uh, Or Roberts, when I asked him one time, how much money you raise in your lifetime? He raised $1.500 billion in his lifetime off the seed faith principle. He said, well, what about me? Well, how deep is your understanding concerning giving and receiving? Father, bless this great church. 
Bless this great conference and all that have been here. Let your word today be a great blessing to these people. Let there be no shame as they begin to walk in the deeper blessings of your healing and your prophetic ministry and your prosperity message too. Let this place grow tremendously as they understand that you love the prosperity of your saints. Amen. Put your arms around you like this and squeeze real tight. That's a hug from Roberts. Love you guys. I'll see you next time. God bless you. God bless you all.
I would love to have asked Roberts about this song because he was talking about how you know it, it came forth. But from what I understand, that the verses in this song, from what Chris Tomlin said, is the original verses in the Amazing Grace. So the last verse, I love it because it says, the God who called me here below, he's called you. He will be forever mine. We are his, amen? We will be forever His. Come on, that's exciting to me. You're free in Jesus because of the cross. Amen. Because of His amazing grace. Come on, let's sing that again. The earth. The earth
Bless you guys. Thank you so much. Um, can you just get the video ready? Thomas did it like a, he edited a clip for us just to show you guys. And bless you guys with that. So. Before, before it goes on, I just want to say thank you to everybody that heard the voice of God. Because doors cannot open for some people without our obedience. Whenever God wants to use people or do things in this earth, he, he, he calls people to help one another. If He wants to rescue us from slavery, He'll send Moses. If He wants to rescue us from hunger, He'll send Joshua. If He, uh, he sent Joseph, if He wants us to cross the Jordan, He'll use the person for that job. So it was very powerful what Les, uh, um, Roberts, I always want to call him Lester Sumrall because I see that spirit in him. <laughs> <laughs> it's very powerful what he said, you know. There's so many times, I've, I grew up in the ministry and I saw so many men and women of God suffer because the people that were in business did not support the ministry. And they tried to control the ministries with their money. So I just want to thank you for those that heard the voice of God and supported us because we wouldn't have been able to go without you. We wouldn't have been able to experience Haiti. And I thank God that the first country I went to in the Caribbean was as African as it comes. They may not just know it yet. <laughs> but I looked at these guys, hey Baba, you guys are from Africa, do you know that? <laughs> They've been there 200 years and there's some things about them that's, yeah, it's wonderful. So it was a blessing for me, you know, I felt closer to home. And um, I don't know what the kids are going to tell you or what they're going to say God did, but... Um, God moved in our lives and He showed us some things. 
And um, I don't know if we can show you, you no, know, uh, we weren't allowed to take photos of some things because some people go into poor countries like that and take advantage and say, yeah, look at my ministry. Meantime, you're just taking photos of Mother Teresa's hard work. Um, Haiti is open for the gospel. Yes, voodoo, shmoodoo, this, the blood of Jesus speaks louder. I grew up in South Africa with a terrible racial divide. We got one of the highest crime rates in the world. We have poverty like that in certain areas. But you can't walk in there as a foreigner without somebody robbing you or mugging you. You can go through Haiti in the worst slum and they won't touch you. They, they, that, that spirit is not there. That spirit is not there. You can walk through those slums safely and God will move in your life. You don't have to work hard to do treatments. They come to the events. You don't have to plead with them. They're hungry. And as an African that has experienced some things, I can tell you right now, if, you, if God has been talking to you about Haiti, you should go. There's nothing to fear. Those people need our help. Understand? They've got the gospel already. They've been, they've been led to Jesus. But they need, they need help that only people with finances, you understand? The money answers many questions. They need education, basic training. There's a young man, he's my age, he's already started a school. And he's taught the, the only place I could go in the country and speak in English without a translator was in his school. Young and old people. And it's in the middle of a slum, that's all they've got. They don't have nice computers and iPads. They take what they can get and they'll take any help they can get as long as it's spiritual and it's from God. So um, before I waffle on, can you play that for us? Thank you. We're not here to take. We're not here to take. 
Victory is ours, saith the Lord. Amen. Amen. Not voodoo. No witchcraft. No power. In heaven or earth. Can beat you or obtain victory. Amen. Amen. I just I love the way they're so happy you know and they just know how to enjoy church and um, the children was the blessing you know that may not be my office but just watching the children you know and God bless Fishers of Men ministry and Pastor Jay he's been here to preach maybe he'll come sometime but what they're doing in that country is authentic you know so it's not us that went and fed those kids. We just went there to help. It was through his ministry and the, the aid that they do. It's authentic and he loves the people. And that's one of the things God is calling us to do when we go into nations, you know. He's, he's, he's calling us to love the people at that level. So it's even like one of the things that I told them. Allow the people to bless you. When you go into their home, don't refuse their gift. That might be their greatest opportunity to bless somebody. You understand? So even when we went up into that mountain church, you saw some of the clips of it out in the hills. They were cooking in a, a shanty, a shack, a makuku. And there was all sorts of ungodly things going on there in American terms, uh, stand terms of cleanliness. I mean, they would have locked you up and thrown the key away if you tried to do a restaurant like that in this country. But we ate the food and we were all fine. Because my Bible says that whatever we sanctify in His name and whatever we bless in His name will be blessed. Amen. So that's just one of the things I wanted to say. Um, Devin? Um, well, first, I want to just um, honor Dylan because he really does take on extra burdens than any other leader. <clears throat> and uh, he led us. He opened up doors for all of us to participate in ministry the way that we feel led. <clears throat> it was because of him that Joseph and I got to lead worship multiple times. Um, he encouraged it. He encouraged everybody to step out of their comfort zone, speak. People answered to that. Um, every single one of the people that went on that trip, they stepped out. And sometimes it's uncomfortable, but they did good. And it was all because we have really good leadership. And the people in Haiti saw that as well. They were constantly talking about Dylan and how they're impressed by him. So I just wanted to give take a moment for everybody to <laughs> honor him. <laughs> So, um, Haiti was awesome, um, left a part of my heart there, so we're going back because, you know, I need it, but, um, <laughs> but I was honored, absolutely honored to be able to do what I was able to do, to be welcomed to sing, to worship, to just play with kids and, and have some kind of platform to speak to these people, and they do honor you back, and they, they hear what you say and they receive what you say, and they have something to give as well. So, my life was changed again and, and touched, and um, I don't ever want to lose that. Uh, it's easy when you get back to going through the motions to kind of forget what you what you what you took, and um, to just get lost in that. But I don't ever want to lose that. I want to constantly be reminded. 
Um, There's so much joy on that trip. We were blessed with where we stayed and the comfortability. <clears throat> and even though we were constantly going, 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 it was so, it was such a beautiful time that it never felt like we were being drained. We were always being refilled, refilled. Um, even when we were rubbing each other raw with um, annoying each other and stuff, there was still joy in it. There was never a moment where I was like, I genuinely can't get through this day with this person. Even in the annoying moments, we, we were loving on each other and we were learning from each other. And I think we really stretched each other and drew from each other and it was awesome getting to build with all 12 of these people. And um, <clears throat> there was some of the kids there that stuck out to us. Um, I'm all of them really, but um, there was uh, one boy who I'm praying that he'll get to come here one day. He, um, when I asked him what he wanted to do with his life, he said, I want to travel the world and preach the gospel. He's 15 years old and he came from poor circumstance. Um, his father died in the earthquake and his, um, his mom is still alive, but um, she can't really provide for him like she would love to. So one of our interpreters um, that we got to know really, really well, um, he takes care of him to a capacity and um, gets him his education and uh, mentors him and really spends a lot of time with him. And um, he was talking to me about, his name is Mark Sinney as the kid, and um, he was talking to me a little bit about him and he showed me a video where um, the Lord's hands are all over that boy because he was in a big van um, bus and there was a huge wreck. I mean, body parts everywhere, people were in pieces, it was so bad and it was an overwhelming video. But the Lord's hand is on Mark Sinney's life and he protected him in that and he was no scratches on him whatsoever. And when you talk to this kid, just love and um, acceptance and, and just a desire to know more, to be a part of everyone's life and to love on people just flows out of him. He had the opportunity while I was there to, to speak about people. I don't know how to explain that, but like um, somebody was asking him questions about some of his friends that were bad influences. And he could acknowledge, yeah, they do some bad stuff, but he was just speaking life about these people. So I just saw this. Christ-like mentality about him or this heart of Christ in him and so I'd love for him to come here one day but um, he was just one of the many kids that we met that have so much to give and when you go to these countries yeah you know that they're not idiots you know they're, they're, their circumstances don't show who they are but you don't expect you're always just surprised by people um, their culture is different so the way that they express themselves can be different but these kids are smart. They carry so much within them. They were teaching me stuff. I was blown away. And so I guess one of the biggest things for me is I just continually get stretched and surprised by other people's capabilities. You just don't think about their circumstances. Even in that, they're still capable of so much and they do so much with what they've got. So I was just honored to be able to be a part of it. I'm honored to be invited back. And um, yeah, so I'm... I learned a lot, so thank you everybody for allowing me to go, being provision for us, being encouraging, praying, keeping in communication with us the whole time we were there and just encouraging us and praying and covering us the whole time we were there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sit and relax because we're all family, right? So um, I want to 
piggyback on that and just say thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for supporting this generation to go and to reflect the Father's heart. Um, I was battling some stuff, some sickness and everything before, and I was even second-guessing on whether I should go. And every minute, we just got closer and closer, and it didn't feel real. It didn't feel like we were really going. And when we got there, you know, they showed us our itinerary. We had no idea what we were, which was such a blessing in disguise. It was so amazing, and it was like, the first full day that we were there, we went up to the church on the mountain. And like what Devin said, Dylan set that platform. The Lord worked through him and set that platform and said, we come with the Father's heart. We come to reflect that. We've come to love. We're not coming for show, for pictures. And it was like from that moment on, it was complete love and honor. They were so honoring. When we walked into that church, they moved. They moved and they opened up their seat to us, strangers. And so I just am so thankful for their heart and their passion. And the Lord that day was like, I was looking at the children and I was like, man, look at their beautiful faces. They need to be dancing. They need to be free. And I went up to Dylan and I said, am I allowed to interact with them? And he said, you ask, you know, you want to honor their, their culture and what they do. And so I asked the interpreter and I asked the, the pastor. And they said, yes, please. And so it broke something. It wasn't a huge deal. And I didn't have some extravagant thing. But it was that freedom, that taking that child's hand and allowing them to step out of their comfort zone. You don't know where they've come from. You don't know who's brother and sister and cousin and uncles and all that stuff. You don't know the level of like, oh, they're, they have more money or oh, they don't. And, oh, you know, I'm the one that took, got to take a shower today. And oh, it's been a week. You don't know. You have no idea. It was just like them coming and they're like, oh. It was literally like, I know that the Lord was working through me because it wasn't me that they saw. They saw Jesus, and it was so, that was rewarding to me. They might have felt like they got a blessing, but I got a blessing. It blessed my heart to be able to see those kids be free. And their parents, they were just watching, and it was just a beautiful, beautiful moment. Like Devin said, it was like every day, every day that we were there, we lived in every single moment. There wasn't a moment that we were like, Oh gosh, I don't want to do this. Oh, it's so excruciatingly hot. I can't handle it anymore. Our clothes are, were drenched in sweat. Dylan was like, we're just going to embrace it. He's like, I'm just embracing my sweat and everything because there's nothing we can do. But it was like so beautiful. You know, the beauty that they see in people. They don't look on the outside. They see you for what God is in you. They didn't look at me. They didn't look at my skin. They didn't look at our hair, our clothes, our pedicured toes or fingers or anything like that. They, the lack of it. They didn't see any of that. They saw Jesus. And that was such 
a blessing. It was such a blessing. And to just see everybody, all 12 of us, there was, I know, I know without a shadow of a doubt that there was something awakened in each 12 of us. There was something, there was a glimpse in each person that was like the Lord was sowing in. You know, yeah, we went there to reflect him, but it was reflected right back on us and we brought it back with us. And it's, I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but this last week has been like, whoa, <laughs> you know, dreams and visions again. And the Lord is just like, it awakened something in me like, okay, this is part of my calling. Isn't that beautiful to be able to say that this is like, Lord, this is part of my walk. This is part of why I'm here. Because I was asking, I was like, Lord, why am I here? What is my purpose? What do I do? You know, who am I? What is my sound? What is my love song? What is it? And it's like there was a part that was reflected. There was a part that was shown. And when we went to the children's hospital, I fell apart and all I could say was Jesus loves you I sang Jesus loves you and I said Jesus loves the little children all the children of the world red yellow black and white they're precious in a sight Jesus loves the little children of the world and it was just like seeing these children and seeing men the men in our group Dylan, Eric, uh, David, it was like, there's not really much to say. There's really not. So I just pray. I pray, I pray, I pray. I pray for them. In Jesus' name, that they have people that come in and bless them and love on them. And I pray for healing in their bones and in their bodies. I pray that food that they feed them and the water that they drink is clean and purified, Father God. We just ask that that song is continued to play in their mind and in their heart and when they sleep and when they're crying and they're like, I just want somebody to hold me. We just ask for you to send people there. We ask for you to send your children there to sow into those lives, Father God. We just thank you so much for giving us that opportunity to just be exposed and to know and to not look at our selfish ways, to not to continue to not look at our life and, oh, I don't have this and I don't have that. Well, there's somebody that doesn't have hardly anything. There's somebody that doesn't have a house, that doesn't have a car, who doesn't have a mom or something like that, that are living out on the streets that haven't eaten for a week. So, Father, we just ask that you bless that country. In Jesus' name, that passion, that heart, that fire that they have, they still get persecuted. They still get persecuted for wanting to worship Jesus. They do it. They do it so loud and they don't care. They don't care that they're missing a string on their guitar. They're not missing that it's not a full set of drums. They don't care. They play it loud and they're like, Lord, we need you. We need you. We need you. We have to see your face. We have to see your face. I have to see you. I want to know you. I want to know you. 
So, Father, we just ask for that passion to be ignited even more in Jesus' name. And they have a knowing of who they are and who you've called them to be. And that nation, Father God, is a beautiful nation. And I pray that you awaken the hearts of the ones to clean their nation in Jesus' name. To clean that nation in Jesus' name. I pray for provision for them, for people to come in, for our ministry, for our church to continue to go in and bless them. And we can bring that back and we can share with you guys what the Lord is doing. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God, for the opportunities. Thank you for open doors and open vision. Thank you, Father God. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, I just want to begin with saying thank you for everyone in this church who either supported us financially or through prayer. Both help a lot. <laughs> um, it's just, it was an amazing experience, and I just am so thankful that we were all able to go and experience it. Um, it was amazing just going to a country like Haiti, which has, well, what, in the Western Hemisphere, it's the poorest nation, lowest life expectancy, um, a lot of poverty, but you really could see how a lot of the Christians there, because they couldn't get occupied by every other thing in the world, they got occupied by God. <laughs> and uh, seeing the all just, what, the 6 a.m. prayer, Pastor David mentioned this before, but Monday through Friday, and just being able to go there and just pray and just cry out with so many other Christians who just wanted to have God work in their life. It's really amazing just how passionate they were just about praising him and just so attentive they were. Whenever we went and taught somewhere, you didn't ever have to ask anyone to pay attention. Every single person, their eyes were locked on you and they weren't going to think about anything else but you. And so that was a really, really amazing thing to have that just respect. So when you were teaching there, when you were wanting to give them something, they were wholeheartedly receiving it, um, which makes you feel better when you know that what you're saying and imparting and just trying to teach it being received. Um, and it was, I had a, good time trying to sing along in the Creole songs and um, you had the lyrics on the screen the English part and then the Creole part and I tried my best them and once again though I mean when you worship God it's not just in word but in spirit so yeah. even if I couldn't sing the Creole words I still was praising God as much as they were so it was an amazing experience and being able to teach a couple times just even if it wasn't long it, it's a it's a stretching experience um, and I I just embraced it wholeheartedly. A couple times we were able to go and help um, in the summer school they had at the um, location of the church we were at. And so Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we got to help some kids with their English comprehension and basic math. So I was a blessing to be able to pour out in them educationally, even if it was just for an hour or two, a couple of days. So I was blessed to be able to help them there. And uh, one of the times it was... We went out to Wilgen's school, who was mentioned before, the, I think, 25-year-old who had a school. And 26, yes. <laughs> and uh, that was amazing. Because there was quite a few times where you were stretched, where you go to the church and they say, okay, now break up into four groups and teach. It's like, okay, well, I could like to know that a little bit earlier, but I'm just going to pray just that God will use me however he wants to, because I'm going to be used as much as I can. So I just, going out there and breaking out in a group and... And then just teaching, and it's like, I've got my Bible, I've got some notes I've written down, I'm just going to go for it. And that was an amazing time, and it really it goes to show how different cultures in different countries, especially when you're a poorer country, have a lot of problems that we don't have as common. And it's, um, 
but I mean, nonetheless, God is our Savior and he can work through it. But one time I was talking about forgiveness and I, was, I just felt led to do that. And I've been kind of reading on that a bit, just how important it is as Christians that we don't hold judgment or anger towards others because the Bible clearly states that we have to forgive those who wronged us just as our Jesus and the God our Father forgives us for all the things we've done against him. So I'm just talking about forgiveness and I'm just saying the importance of it. And twice people asked, well, what if one of your family members was murdered? What if the police murdered your family? And they, they asked these questions, and I'm quite positive it wasn't hypothetical. It was that they had someone murdered in the family because, I mean, crime is prevalent there. I mean, like Dylan said, it's not like you're going to be murdered left and right, but it happens. You had barbed wire on every gated house. We had three men with shotguns outside the church just making sure we were safe. So obviously there is crime, but of course God protects us, and we walk in his protection. But just how them asking about that. What do you do when someone murders your family? So it's, I mean, I just said the best I could. I mean, just decide to forgive and ask that God gives you. Because a lot of the things as Christians, we can't do it in our own strength. We just have to say, I'm going to decide to do it, but you've got to help me go because I can't do it by myself. So, um, but it's just amazing seeing how despite all the harsh conditions they're in, despite all the things that happen, they're still there pursuing God. They're still Despite the murder, despite the hurt, despite the poverty, they still pursue God wholeheartedly. And so that's an encouraging thing, not just for myself, but I'm sure all those who went there also. So I just say thank you once again for the church, and just I'm just blessed that I was able to be part of it. Thank you. We're not taking too long. Are you enjoying this? You don't mind them all sharing? Okay. Hi. Um, I'd like to say thank you. I'd like to say thank you for everybody who made it possible for us to go. It, um, it was the most amazing experience I've ever had in my life. And it has definitely changed me forever. There was um, a time when we went to a baby hospital. And we only was there for 40 minutes, but it was definitely the main thing of the whole trip that touched me. And the babies like toddlers and everything, there was one that I was feeding with this humongous spoon. And the nurses was just shoveling this soup into their mouth that smelled like cat food to me. <laughs> and it had noodles and like carrots and like pieces of meat that looked like cat food out of a can. And they were just shoveling it into the kids' mouths really fast because there were so many kids they couldn't stop love on any of them. And the boy, he had blisters on his feet, and he was wrapped with cloth. <laughs> and um, he was so happy. Somebody was just there look, watching him, feeding him. He was smiling so big. All I had to do was make a couple of funny noises, and he would laugh so hard and smile. And. He wouldn't let go of me when we had to leave, and so it was, um, he was screaming, and all the kids around were screaming, there was so much screaming there. It made me realize that here we are so, we're so rich and wealthy here. And everybody's always talking about the drama and the stupid stuff in their life, when there was actual problems going on in the world that need help and money. And it was, it was really hard, and I don't think most of us were crying at the end because um, 
Nobody wanted to leave Dale. It was beautiful. All the kids was beautiful, and you just wanted to bring them all home. But, yes. So, thank you. One of the things that, like, which it's, 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 it's so important to just, like, you, we were even, there was even another mission group when we were in that hospital. And even with those extra people, it didn't seem like there was enough people going around. Some of the nurses would just throw the bowl. Now, in Western society, you've probably never seen a child that young that knows how to really feed himself, because when survival is your daily life, those little babies know how to pick that bowl up and feed themselves. It's, it's like, it's, she's, it was one of the most sobering experiences anybody can ever have. I, I don't know, they, they won't allow people to take pictures because of what I said previously, people will say it's their ministry and, and money launder. But um, thank God for Mother Teresa, you know? She's doing wonderful things all around the world. And it's a pity not more people support her, not more people get involved. Maybe just because she's a Catholic and Protestants have their issues and as Pentecostals or Pentecostals, whatever we want to call ourselves, have our doctrinal issues. But we need to feed and clothe. You know, we need to feed the hungry and clothe the sick, you know. That's our calling, no matter what denomination you come from. Amen. Well, first of all, I'm, I'd just like to... I know you've heard it a bunch, but I'd just like to say thank you again. <laughs> um, I guess, if, just let's think of it from a world standpoint. Uh, we were able to raise enough money in two months to send 12 people overseas. Just let that sink in for a second. <laughs> it's not possible in the world's eyes to do that. Um, and I actually was talking to an imp um, a person I work with, and he's like, so I I'm sure you had um, some help with that, like maybe government funding? I'm like, no. So I'd just like to say thank you for, especially your prayers too, because I really did feel like there was days that were difficult, but they, you could see God's hand in them. And I know that you guys were praying, and I'd just like to thank you for that, because at the end of the day, we can throw money at a bunch of projects, but if we don't have God in it, then it's not going to go very far. So there's two things that sort of happened to me that rocked my world a little bit. Um, I don't consider myself very selfish and ungrateful. Um, but we got there and just the, when the pastor, when Pastor Jay got up and told us, you know, we, we got our itinerary, we saw, we saw what our schedule was and, you know, looking through the schedule and I'm like, okay. And he's like, well, I just want to let you guys know the Haitian people, um, they will give you the time of day to say what you want, regardless if they like you or not. And um, I didn't really scoff at it, but I was like, okay, fine, that's, that's great. But they really did. Um, they would move aside their agenda so that we could do something that was not even planned. And that, was, that stood out amazingly because, I mean, one pastor, I think, even stepped down talking just so that we could get up and speak something. So that was pretty cool. Um, on Wednesday before we left, so about halfway through the trip, we did visit the hospital. And um, the testimony that I have there is, is just walking in there and seeing how many babies were just needing attention, needing that, 
just relationship that a mother has and a father has with their child. And um, one of the girls, was lips were so blistered that she couldn't eat. And every time I'd feed her, her lips would bleed. And um, I'm like in this moment going, God, I mean, I'm not a doctor. And these people here are probably not trained to be a doctor. Like, how can I help right now other than just sit and say, like, as this girl cries in my arms, how can you, like, how could I be so selfish to think that I don't have a good life, you know? And so, God, I just sort of start putting on my heart to just, like, speak um, things into these children's lives. So as I'd pick up a baby, I would speak, like, this one, you know, you're going to go out into the world and you're going to be a minister. You're going to, you know, raise up the nations and lead. You're going to be our next generation of people who pursue God with wholeheartedly. And leaving that rocked my world because I got back to our hostel and I was like, it's so unfair. You know, there's still places in this world where people can't eat because their stomachs just throw up everything. And they, when they get a bowl to eat, they'll scarf it down even if they can't keep it up. And um, yeah, I lost it emotionally. Just It hit me hard. That day was really, really difficult. Um, I don't think I've cried that much in a long, long time. And um, I just, God was like, well, it just sort of gave me a new perspective because he's like, how can you be so selfish and ungrateful? Like, I was like, I'm sorry. Like, how could I act like this when I'm looking into this girl's eyes and she's just looking at me and going, like, help, you know? Um, and I guess the second thing was, when we were going there, um, you definitely don't know what's going to happen <laughs> because we didn't really have a schedule. And so, you know, I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. And I, but I also wanted to do healing. And, you know, we go through the villages and you just see these people are so happy to hear, see you. And um, on Friday, I think a couple of us got really, really sick. And so <laughs> the reason why I'm saying this is because I guess one of the miracles that happened in my life was I was running a really high fever. And um, I got out of the bus and we had been praying for us all, but like Dylan got out after my, our second stop. And by this time, I was just going to sit in the bus because I was so sick. And he prayed for me. Within two minutes, my fever broke. So I would just, that's just amazing to me because I know that I wouldn't have been able to finish that day and enjoy it had I uh, been feeling that horrible. Um, it was bad. <laughs> um, but I would just like to say thank you because the leadership that is Dylan especially, and then we have Anna, Eric, and Devin, they all held their cool the whole time. And I know that we, being eight days with the same group of people can get tense, but they really hold it together. And I'd just like to say thank you to you guys because we couldn't have done it without you guys. I know I couldn't have done it. So, um, But I know God is good, and he did some great things. And I've met a lot of friendships. Mark Sonny, we stay in touch um, when we can. And one of these kids, you didn't see here, but if you follow me on Facebook, he took a picture with me. He just wouldn't stop hanging on me. Like, the teacher's like, stop doing that, getting mad at him. Um, but, and I was like, no, it's fine. And the teacher's like, I don't, I don't speak English, so I don't understand what you're saying. But, um, but yeah, so that was really good. But um, yeah, I just, God just really, it just gave me a whole new aspect of how I view life. You know, I got home and you could definitely tell the devil was immediately starting to like pile on worries. And I'm just like, I don't. This kid doesn't know where his next meal comes from and still he has managed to keep a smile on his face, so I think I can do the same. But yeah, I'd just like to say thank you, so. Um, yeah, um, again, I want to say thank you too for uh, being able to bless me and letting me go. I know y'all heard that so many times, but we really couldn't have done that without all of y'all. You know, it was very, at first it was, we didn't really think that we could have done it, but, you know, God is good and so he blessed us to go. 
And um, one thing that I noticed watching the video is I need to get some new clothes because <laughs> I keep wearing the same thing. Yeah. But, um, um, yeah, God did a lot of good things uh, with us over there and stuff. And he was very, he blessed us very heavily, more than we could ever really imagine. And as much as we want to take credit that we went over there and helped, like Haiti helped us a lot more than we could have helped them ever. It was a very opening, it was very eye-opening. And, um, you know, I had already went to another, I went to Guatemala back in like 2009 and was able to, you know, kind of come back and be, was very thankful and stuff. And I kind of like, over the years, I kind of lost lost that. And so it was very, it was amazing go, coming back and being able to just be like, wow, I am very blessed no matter the money or what's going on at work or anything like that, you know. And um, <clears throat> with um, Wilkins class, the 21-year-old that started the class, one day he came up to me and he was like, hey, do you want to come to my class? And I was like, yeah, sure. I was like, I want to look at what you do. I was like, I'm not going to say anything, but like, I just want to observe. And he's like, yeah, yeah, don't worry. You, you won't have to say anything. I'm like, okay, cool. So we went over there and he goes, okay, guys, this is Eric, and he's going to be speaking in front of y'all today. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, really? I'm like, I have nothing prepared. And I was like, oh, man, this is very awkward. And so I was like, okay, Lord, you got this. And um, they were very attentive no matter how unorganized we were, even in the first days or anything, they were just very, very attentive and ready to listen to us. And so basically, like, they just, they were all very young entrepreneurs trying to start their own businesses and having ideas. Some of them even, like, go on the streets and sell bracelets and stuff to try to make ends meet for, to get meals and stuff or to pay for the college and stuff. So they were doing a lot of things and we were basically just talking about success and asking questions and stuff. And a lot of them, like, you know, if you were ever to do that here, everybody's like, oh, okay, I've already heard this a thousand times. It's something old. But, like, to them, it was so fresh and so new, and they, they just took it so well. And, like, I remember, like, a lot of them after the class were just coming up and thanking me and just, like, I, I couldn't comprehend it. Like, I was just, like, I, I just couldn't grasp the fact that what I said actually mattered to them. Like, whatever I was saying actually mattered to them. And um, one thing that I really struggled with over there, you know, I always, like, struggle with hearing God. So I'm always like, is he really thinking about me? And is he really like, does he really care? And so I remember we were, the second time we went to the class, we were playing with the children. And I had been like, it was, it was very hot that day. And we, like, we had been running around and I was sweating. And like one of the little kids that I was playing with, it was a little girl, looked at me and saw that like, you know, I had forgot my bottle at, at, the, at the place that we were staying at. And, um, and she kind of saw that and she kind of like let go of my hand and went to the teacher. And she asked the teacher something in Creole or French, I can't really remember. And the, the teacher just kind of nodded and agreed to whatever she had said to him. And she had left. And so she had left for a couple of minutes. And then she came back. And they have, like, these little bags of water that you can drink. And, like, she had given that to me. And I was just kind of like, I didn't want to take it because that's what, that's what, that's all she had. Like, that's all, that's what she wanted to give me, like, everything that she had. And, like, I didn't want to take it. But at the same time, like, I didn't want to... Uh, take away the blessing that she was going to give me and like I wanted to cry so much because it's like in the little things that he does like God spoke through that little girl to me to, to be like you know I still am thinking about you and I still care about you no matter what you're going through in life you know I'm still here with you and like he used that little girl to like kind of be like you know here like even though this is all she has like she was so willing and so happy like she had like the biggest smile on her face to just give that to me and it like made me want to cry, but because I'm a man, couldn't do it. So, <laughs> so, um, 
so yeah it was just it was just amazing to see how how the kids just loved us and stuff and like it, it was so hard it was so easy to say hello but it was so hard to say goodbye it was one of the hardest things like I, I couldn't like and I made a bunch of friends like they won't stop messaging me ever <laughs> like like and a lot of them don't even really want your money they just want your friendship they just want to know that you care for them and it's like, you know, when people say that to you, they're like, oh, okay, they're going to say that, then a week later they're going to forget about you. Like, these kids are so attentive. They want to know what you're doing. They're, they're so interested in to figure out what you're doing what you're doing. And they're so, they're so happy to know that you're doing well. And it's like, it's, it's so crazy that, you know, we take advantage of some of our good friends and stuff, and we really don't appreciate who they are and stuff and because, like, you see them all the time. But it's like when, you, when you're gone, it's like... Oh man, you really miss them and stuff, and so we really can't wait to go back and hope to be able to do more things in Haiti and be able to help them and bless them. But um, yeah, so we're just very thankful for y'all. You know, we couldn't have asked for a better church to have blessed us and stuff. So thank you so much. And um, again, I want to say thank you to all you guys for all your support and help. <laughs> You've heard that a lot, but still, like they said, it really helps. Um, I don't have a lot to say, but yeah, I'm going to say it. Um, uh, two things. Um, the, the baby hospital is what hit me the most. Going there, me and Eric uh, went to the healthy kids section. Basically is the gist of where it was. And as soon as they saw us, their faces lit up. And they just ran and jumped on us. And I was just like sitting there, I was like, there was 50 kids on me. I was like, what am I supposed to do? And I wanted to cry so bad. Because most of those kids didn't have any parents. They didn't have any moms or dads or they didn't know their family. The one thing that kept me from crying was the smile on their faces. All they wanted was attention. All they wanted was someone to hold them and to love on them. I mean, the kids were like pulling on each other, trying to get each other off of me so that they could, you know, just climb on me and hold me and hug me and, you know, all of that. It was, it was definitely an opening experience for me. Very powerful. Um, and the second thing I want to talk about is coming back here, my spirit was still in the mindset or of, of being there in Haiti. And coming back here, seeing all the differences, the small, the small things, the big and the small. How great we have it here. How, how great we have it here compared to there. And that really weighed in my spirit the past week that we've been back. And I really have a heart for them now. And I really plan on going back and showing, sharing more love with them and with you about everything that happens. Um, thank you again. It's like one of the things that 
Even me and Labrada and Jerry were talking about because they were talking about when they went to Cuba. And me growing up in Africa amongst different tribal people as a white man, you know, it's, it's good to go without an agenda. Oh, we're going to teach this and we're going to do that. No, just go there and love the people and connect with them and be unprepared because that's the way the Holy Spirit works. So even the night before, I knew we were going to children. So I told them, I said, you guys just prepare, get ready. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you in the deep end. <laughs> when we walked in the church, I don't know if I greeted anybody, I just handed the mic over to them and walked out. The pictures you saw me of eating mangoes, they were busy working with the children. I was climbing trees. <laughs> and it, one of the things that really touched me is how... God was just using them so much, I'd just walk in and take pictures for everybody, you know, I put it on Facebook for everybody to see. And I was just like, it was hard for me, I'd just come in and cry to see how qualified we are just because of the love of God in our hearts. That was the thing that I really wanted to share with you guys too, something important we need to know. Is that you can't do anything for anybody if you don't love people. You can't be a Christian and go overseas with an agenda to grow your ministry or whatever. People don't care about how much you know until they know about how much you love them. As soon as they know how much you love them, they'll open up their hearts to you. I used to hang out with people in South Africa, they would look at me in the face and say, I hate white people. And they said, but you, my brother, you are not like them. I can't hate you. So racism is a fear. It's a misunderstanding. So we just need to walk in love. <laughs> powerful, the most powerful. Say something, David. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, now they all want to preach. We've made preachers out of them. <laughs> Just a quick thing that I forgot to say about the hospital. Um, it's cool. I actually had meant that was my main intention to say that, but I forgot. Um. I don't think actually Dylan and some, I don't think a large portion of the group knows this, but when I was at my job um, on Friday, I was telling someone, yeah, the people are so happy there and they're so happy and content with what they have. And this person was like, well, you know, ignorance is bliss. And I was like, no, they're not ignorant that they live in these conditions. Um, they are very aware, but yet they've chosen to be happy with everything that they're given. And then the person right next to her goes to the mission field and she goes, so where in Haiti did you go? And I said, well, we were about 15 minutes outside of Port-au-Prince, so we're still in the city. She goes, so did you go to the baby hospital in Port-au-Prince? There is only one baby hospital in Port-au-Prince. And um, she goes, did it have a courtyard in the middle? And I was like, yeah. And she said, well, I'm just gonna let you know that I went there. And so that was already cool to me. I was like, okay, this is someone who's already visited where we visited. And she goes, um, so how severe were the conditions? And I was like, well, God, how can I see, like, are you working here? And this was sort of, he showed me it when I came back, because when she went there in, right after the earthquake happened, um, people were bringing their kids in by the thousands, lines of thousands every morning to do amputations where we went. And um, it was just seeing from where it's come there to now, she, parents would thank her when she cut their baby's legs off because they were so broken. And... Um, just to see what God's done in the past couple of years. Yes, the conditions still aren't bad, but they're, that's the, this is the reason why they're so happy is, is because when they had that earthquake happen eight years ago, so many missionaries went out there and they helped and they gave up their time. And you can see it now, it's made a difference. So to anyone who's went to Haiti, you guys, have done, you guys are forever enshrined in the people who definitely helped 
spread the gospel there. So just a, hopefully a faith builder for everyone. <laughs> One last thing, you guys. Um, I think as a group, I'm feeling from the Lord that we should sing. Um, do you want to Okay, so do you want to Okay. All right. Um, I feel like we're needing to sing um, Jesus Loves the Little Children all together, if that's okay. Okay. So, ready? <laughs> Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Before I forget, we'll be closed for three weeks. This is our last Sunday. Um, we're going to open up on the 23rd. Um, Pastor David just says, well, the youth can take the service. So <laughs> the service is open on Sunday, the 23rd, July. Um, I just want to remember to tell you guys that, so remember that. Um, Devin just wants to speak about Marksoni and Stevenson and just talk about what we want to do in the bookshop for some of these kids and just help them out. And some of the things, she just wants to let you guys know about some of the things you can pray for, for the people of, of Haiti. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, and um, young adults, we continue throughout the month, Monday nights, uh, 7 p.m. Um, Wednesday nights, we're doing youth, 6.30 um, I'm still going to be doing midnight prayer Friday nights, so we'll be still doing stuff. The church will be still doing stuff. Just Sunday services, we sub we're having a sabbatical, and we're resting. So back on the 23rd, ready for revival. Praise God. <laughs> <clears throat> so out in the coffee bar, we have some of the bracelets. Uh, some necklaces, jewelry, this is made out of coconut, um, that the kids, they're not even like the adult vendors, the, the kids that we met and built relationships with um, just gave us some of their stuff um, in hopes that we could maybe send them the money back and we would continue to order from them. And uh, they're little entrepreneurs, they really are. Um, they weren't pushy about it, they just their school, they don't have public school, they have to pay for their schooling. And the only thing they have to pull them out of poverty is education, learning how to speak English in hopes that they can do something bigger with their lives. So they, they, they make this stuff and they go out and they try and sell it to um, cover their education. And so um, we've got some stuff out there. We have the capability of ordering more stuff from them. They make shoes, boxes. They, I mean, they're so talented. and. Um, the paintings and stuff, it's incredible. So we want to um, see what we can do to send them some money and, and keep them. Um, this would go directly to Stevenson and Markstony, their business partners. <laughs> um, and um, they really deserve it. So we want to see what we can do to help them. It's, it's donations. You can ask about a suggested donation, but, um, but we just want to 
bless them any way we can and send them money as we can. So um, I wanted to talk about a few ways that you could pray directly for the people. Um, one of the first days we were there on the bus, me and Eric were talking to our leader, um, Frederick, who um, was like Pastor Jay's assistant. And we were, we were being, you know, we were, we were just making conversation about the country. And we said, what does your country produce the most of? We were thinking agriculture, you know. <laughs> Frederick said babies. <laughs> and we, you know, it was funny, but it, it's not at the same time. Because when I was speaking to Wilgins, who is the 26-year-old who, like, is fully devoted to ministry, has so much going on, he was talking about the problem with all these babies because you know we know babies are precious life and 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 they're valuable and they have purpose in each and every one of them the problem is is there's so many babies there's no compassion towards them there's no there's there's a desensitizedness towards children the parents don't really care what most parents not all but most parents don't really care what their kids are doing if they're at school if they're doing um whatever they're doing they just there's so many of them. And um, I, I, there was one woman, she was pregnant definitely months in, and she had a small infant in her arms and a toddler on her hip. And so you could see that she had gotten pregnant back to back to back. And uh, Wilkins was saying, these women don't know who the fathers are, usually. They, they live for that moment. They, they, they have that moment, and then they have... Um, they, you know, they have the, the seed of it forever, and and so they they desensitize towards their children, and um, so a big need is prayer towards children, the children obviously, but also for the women and the young girls that don't understand the purpose within them, don't know how valuable they are, and that they have just as much to give as anybody else, and they're just they're just going through the motions and just having children and and struggling and. And it's just, it's a sad life because I know that I have purpose in me, I'm worthy, and um, I have something to give. And so I want to instill that in, in other women that don't know that, but that's a huge prayer need, is that the women there and the young girls get that. And they understand that they're not just there to make babies and, and that's it. So um, the children need love, the women need love, uh, the men need love too. <laughs> but um, that's a huge prayer need. Education, like I said, is is the only thing they really have. So we want to um, really just pray for um, support and in that area. They said that typically most schools are like 400 U.S. dollars a month, which is crazy. Uh, that's crazy. Uh, we got I got school for free, <laughs> so um, so that's a huge need. But um, but there's and also the leaders like Wilkins and Frederick and Kinson the people that we met that really are going full force trying to restore their country, trying to sow into the people in their country so that they can take up, um, you know, take up the ministry and, and do the same and, and prepare people to do the, exactly what they're doing to restore their country. Um, so we want to pray for the leaders there. Um, you know, we specifically know Wilgins and, and Frederick and Kinson and Pastor Jay, so we want to cover them in prayer, but there's many others that um, are unnamed that are doing things um, to to bring the kingdom there. So um, those are some things that we, I want to just point out. So as you're, you know, we have a connection with them now. We did before, but now it's more personal. And so we want to cover them. Amen. Let's, let's all stand. Um, I think we just... Um, just got to thank God 
that He's using people and that there's ministries around the world and souls are being touched. So I think the most important thing right now as we end the service and we go on our sabbatical is we just thank God that people's lives were changed, whether it be ours or theirs. And we, we, we thank God also that He's faithful to complete what He began in our lives. And He's faithful to complete what He began in those people's lives in Haiti. No matter the situation and no matter the spiritual walls that's surrounded by that island. And all the pain of colonial bondage and the past. We just thank God that He's continuing that healing. We thank God for all the missionaries, the Baptists, the Catholics, whatever denomination they came from. We just thank God for the people that listened to His voice and, and um, went to that nation and goes to other nations like Jamaica and Cuba. We just thank God for those people. So we're just going to... Um, I'm going to close right now in a prayer. And Kim, if you can just sing a song for us. And you're all welcome to leave. I know some of you probably need to be at places. I'm African. We come in and out of church because church is all day. So that doesn't offend me. <laughs> we ended, we started 6 p.m. in the afternoon. Worship ends at maybe 11. And then we go preach until 2 in the morning. And then laying on of hands because there's so many people at 4 in the morning. I miss those days. So if we can just keep get our hearts there and just you know, I want to tell you God, God can use you. If He can use me and send me around the world, He can use you. If He can use Mother Teresa, if He can use all these people that we heard about all weekend, you know, if you weren't here during uh, some of the service, maybe go out there and, and buy one of God General's books and read about the people that paved the road before us and, and read about the price that was paid and read about the fact that they were human just like you and they had little faults too and they had stumbling blocks in their lives too so that's what I want to tell you is that God can use you too and um, I just want to end off with the scripture because you know there's many ways to seek the Lord and have a closer relationship to Him and, but let me read Isaiah 58 for you. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and forsook not the ordinances of their God. Ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou seest not. Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest not knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast you find pleasure and exact all your labors. Behold, you fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. You shall not fast as you do this day, to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and an acceptable day to the Lord? And here comes my favorite part. Is not this the fast that I have chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and to break every yoke 
Is it not to deal bread to the hungry, and that thou bring to the poor, that they are, and, and they that are cast out of their house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thy own flesh. Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thy health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. Praise God. So Father God, we just thank you for this assembly, Lord Jesus. We thank you for this fellowship, Father God. Father God, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives, Lord Jesus. And we thank you that you're with us every step of the way. You are Jehovah Shammah, the one who is always present. Father God, you are Jehovah Rohi, our shepherd, the lover of our souls. So Father God, keep us in this time. Lift us up in this time of rest, Father God. And those of us that have our own ministries, Father God, empower us to do greater things. To touch the world and leave behind an everlasting legacy, Father God. That our names may be known in times to come, Father God. So Lord Jesus, I thank you that you bless every single one of us, Father. We just lift up your name one more time. Lord Jesus, we worship you. So Father God, maybe we'd be blessed coming in and blessed going out. We plead the blood of Jesus over every single one of us. We plead the blood of Jesus over those that are watching on the camera in TV land. We bless you. And may the God that has power, that transcends all power, transcend through the TV stations. May you be touched. May God speak into your life. Amen. And may our garments always be white. And my heads lack no ointment. In Jesus' name we pray. Bless you all.